The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Matters, the show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode of Leadership Matters is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative, and together we work to help organizations transform themselves in the present to help prepare them for a better future. With me today as guest panelist is my good friend Andre Howard. Andre, why don't you introduce yourself to our listening audience today? Oh, thanks, Tom. This is again is Andre Howard, uh, VP of our Center on Leadership at the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities, and glad to be part of the uh, discussion today. So, thanks for having me. Honored to have you with us, as always. Today, we're privileged to talk about the work of Buckner International, with main offices in Dallas, Texas. We're fortunate to have with us today the president of Buckner International, Dr. Albert Reyes. Dr. Reyes, uh, it's good to have you with us today. Would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Thanks, Tom. Great to be on on the program with you today. Uh, I um, am the sixth president of Buckner International um, over the last 136 years. There are not too many of us around. And I began uh, this assignment uh, in 2010, and uh, just glad to be here, uh, serve as the uh, Chief Executive Officer for Everything Buckner, and I look forward to sharing more as we go along. Fantastic. 136 years is a long history. That represents a considerable commitment to uh, children during that time. Can you just give us an overview picture of what Buckner has been involved in in terms of supporting children over those 136 years? You bet. Uh, you know, our, our founder, Robert Cook Buckner, uh, we, we call him Father Buckner or Dr. Buckner, uh, his, uh, his family background is pretty interesting. Uh, came from, his family came from the Eng- England, emigrated to the U.S. Uh, dur- right as the beginning of the Revolutionary War, participated in that struggle for independence, and then uh, settled in uh, Tennessee. Um, he uh, was a, a young man who answered a call to vocational ministry as a pastor. Uh, at 17, started pastoring his first church and then moved to Kentucky and then finally came to Texas uh, in around 1859. And when he, when he uh, wagon came across the state line, uh, there was a man running for governor that year by the name of General Sam Houston, uh, from governor of Texas. 
So uh, Buckner landed uh, in Paris, Texas, served as a pastor, uh, and then around 1877 began to really uh, be concerned about the situation of uh, children uh, whose fathers had gone to the Civil War to fight and did not return. Those mothers, uh, mothers of these children became uh, widows and really struggled to survive. And so just seeing the, the ravishing of our country, especially in Texas from the Civil War, he really had a desire to serve vulnerable children, uh, orphans, actually orphans who, in some cases, both parents had passed away. Uh, and that was the genesis and beginning of, uh, of Buckner uh, International. Fantastic. Well, I know that an organization that has a long and storied history, as Buckner International does, there were a lot of challenges uh, that the organization faced and a lot of decisions that they made. I wonder if you could talk about some of the challenges that Buckner has faced in the years before you became the president. Right. Well, you know, uh, the day I was elected president, uh, January of 2010, I was handed a two, two artifacts, uh, sort of the passing of the baton. One was a book uh, that was written about the uh, life, uh, and life of faith and works of uh, R.C. Buckner. And uh, it was signed by previous presidents who passed it along to the next person. And then there was also a picture of the last building that the uh, founder built uh, with uh, what it looked like after a wrecking ball had crashed into it. And uh, the, my predecessor said, this is to remind you that the reason why we're still here after 136 years is that we've never been afraid to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there have been challenges as a general residential uh, operation, as an orphanage, just migrating the philosophy of who we were and how we served children uh, as Texas sort of grew up, as the state emerged and matured. The way we serve children and families and seniors uh, also shifted, even though there's some principles that never have changed our methods over the time. Uh, uh, so we've now sort of morphed into a uh, philosophy that says that the best place for a child to grow up is in a, a healthy uh, family environment rather than mm-hmm. an institutional setting. And so we can tell the story about how we changed over time when we uh, talk about and, and help other uh, people in other countries and other places that are still doing orphanage-type work. Outstanding. Well, you mentioned in your introduction that when you were selected as the sixth president in 2010, um, that really is not a lot of leadership change uh, over such a long history for your organization. When right. you took over in 2010, what did you see as the major challenges that you felt you needed to address at that time? And how have you gone about addressing those challenges during your time as president? Well, you know, uh, Tom, one of the things that I've learned about leadership, uh, you know, I went to Andrews University there in southwest Michigan, took a Ph.D. in leadership. And as I did the, uh, the, the dissertation, the research, I, I learned that part of the learning experience was, was uh, to realize that uh, every leader, uh, the primary uh, sort of, I, w- I would say, secret to success or the primary way to really have an effective tenure is, is in the diagnostic phase of your tenure. When you, mm-hmm. when you, when you ask the question of where am I, uh, who am I with, 
and what what is currently what has gone on and what's currently the situation. And so there is a book uh, written by Ma- Michael J. Watkins uh, called The um, uh, Success Strategies for Leaders at Every Level of, of the Organization, The First 90 Days. And so uh, Harvard Business Press, I think 2002 or three uh, in that time zone. And uh, so what, what uh, Watkins says is that, you know, you have to sort of assess the business environment. And, and so he's got, uh, you know, divestiture, startup, turnaround, sustained success, uh, uh, realignment. Uh, so there's five different business scenarios. And I had just come from a turnaround. So I knew what effective behavior for the leader on the leader's part was like in a turnaround. But when Wonderful. I came to Buckner, I had to ask myself, now, is this a turnaround? Is this a divestiture? Is it a sustaining success? You know, and so mm-hmm. I realized that it's probably somewhere between sustaining success and realignment. And then when I became uh, president in 2010 and then CEO finally in 2012, I settled on, you know, I think this is a realignment. And so the, the, the greatest challenge for me was to determine where I was and what the condition of the organization was. Uh, and, you know, went through that through di- diagnostic analysis. And I, I could have put to, uh, to bear, I could have brought to bear everything I did in the turnaround. It would have been completely wrong here because it wasn't a, turn, a turnaround. Good. So I think Excellent I think, assessment. Excellent yeah, assessment. Yes. So what did you decide was most important in the beginning for you to focus on with regards to the readjustment that you decided you needed to implement? Yeah, well, I, you know, I came up with, uh, since it was a, it, it was a realignment, I, I sort of did some reflection on the organization, came up with seven points of realignment. Uh, so um, one was to focus on the whole concept of redemption uh, as um, speaking in a theological sense of, you know, we exist here to help redeem lives, to take what was intended for harm and turn it into good. And then to sort of raise the concept of uh, the fact that we offer hope. And so we did some uh, branding, and uh, our tagline is Hope Shines Here. We deal with clients, and we treat uh, abandoned, uh, children who are abandoned, neglected, and abused, families that are struggling. And one thing we do at the outset is say, you know, this is a place where you can find hope. Yeah. And then to, to focus on the third one was focus on uh, its focus and simplicity. Uh, we had grown in our expansive uh, uh, growth uh, to uh, find 64 ways to serve our clients, and it was just too mu- too many and too much. So I uh, led the team to get it down to four. And then uh, we wanted to refocus on pace setting, stewardship, and what's, what it means to really uh, use our resources wi- wisely, develop comprehensive planning, and then I had a focus. The seventh one was on, on organizational health because I knew the people are the drivers of the best resource that you have. And so, uh, you know, we want to have a healthy work environment. Beautiful. I hear you talking. And as you mentioned what you did in the realignment, I hear so many spiritual themes coming through. And you're probably aware that the the Alliance uh, uses the revolutionary uh, leadership model that says that we as leaders have to develop four capacities, cognitive, emotional, spiritual, and behavioral. If we want to enable and support change, you obviously have put a tremendous focus on the spiritual dimension of your work, and the Alliance sees you as a very strong spiritual leader. Do you believe that this spiritual capacity is important for all leaders to develop? And if so, why do you think that's important? 
Well, I, I think when uh, the leaders, I mean, I, I think of leadership in four areas. <clears throat> the literature kind of lands in these four, let's just call them buckets, uh, leading self, leading others, leading teams, and leading change, or, you know, you might say leading organizations. But a, a leader of an organization, especially a complex organization, uh, you know, the, the primary role there is going, to, given those other areas, is, is to lead the organization to change because the environment's changing. Everything about around us is changing. Society's changing. So naturally, uh, organizations that don't change are going to stagnate and die. And right. so the spiritual foundation of that is critical uh, because, you know, part of the uh, evolutionary leader is to have that spiritual capacity. And change starts with uh, a high moral purpose. Uh, that that's what everybody uh, sort of uh, uh, aspires to, and if you if you can clarify what your moral purpose is, then uh, then you're you're in you're in good shape, and people will follow that. Outstanding. Now this is a very important theme. So if we could just hold that, we're going to we need to take a break for a moment, but let's come back to that spiritual discussion as soon as we come back from the break. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovations.org. Now, 
back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me today are, is my guest panelist, Andre Howard. Also with us today is our special guest, Dr. Albert Reyes, the president of Buckner International. Before the break, uh, Dr. Reyes was talking with us about the history of Buckner and the challenges it's faced over the years. And also, we were beginning to discuss how important spirituality is at the very core of the work of Buckner International. Can you talk to us, uh, Dr. Reyes, about the ways that you demonstrate this spiritual capacity in your work as leader of the organization? Well, I, I think, uh, Tom, that's a great question. The, um, the spiritual capacity uh, really, uh, for me, is at the core of values that I use, the principles that I use to, uh, to uh, engage other people, uh, engage leaders, and to, to run our mission, uh, to, to pursue our mission and, and do our work. And so th- these are basic things that, you know, I think we kind of learn these at home when we're little. You know, you can, you can pick them up at school if you didn't get them at home. But it's things like being uh, telling the truth, uh, being honest, uh, being willing to admit uh, when you've made a mistake or when you're wrong, taking responsibility. There's a sense of humility in that, and uh, being able to, to, to model that, uh, I, I think, uh, is sort of the bedrock of a, sort of the spiritual competency or, or capacity that, that you have. And, uh, you know, where, where, I, where I learned those uh, from are the, the teachings of, of Jesus of Nazareth uh, is, is where, is where I've, I've sort of uh, uh, taken the teachings that he had and then trying to live those out. Outstanding. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, we'll have to make sure that we put uh, special uh, uh, cowbells uh, near that when, when people are reviewing this. Uh, they say that it takes a period of time uh, before a new leader can develop a vision for the future of their organization. You've now been, obviously, for some time, leader of this organization. Can you share with us the vision for Buckner International that you have framed for the future? Sure. Uh, that's one of the things that I focused on when I first came to Buckner, and uh, the vision, you know, for Buckner. That again, it, it isn't. It, it, while while I might be able to articulate it, I've worked with our senior leaders to make sure that it's our vision, and that we we all want to show up for this reason, for this prefer, prefer preferable future. And uh, you know, we seek to become uh, a global ministry, maximizing both leadership and resources for the benefit of vulnerable children and their families and seniors. So, uh, you know, a lot, a, lot, a lot of thought goes into the idea of what, what does it mean uh, to maximize resources? And we think about all the resources we have, and they're not just financial. They're relational. There's uh, all types of uh, intellectual capital, uh, you know, best practices, and you could go on and on for the resources. And not just our resources, but resources that are available to us in, with uh, other collaborative relationships with government agencies, whatever resources are out there to bring to bear on how we can improve the life of, of, of the person that we serve, their lives. And then, uh, and then leadership is leading the way, not just for our own work and ministry, but in a country. Uh, or in a government, or in a situation uh, where children uh, need help. So oftentimes we've uh, we've been influential in leading uh, governments to and, and influencing them to pass new laws and to create new systems 
so that they can serve their, their children better. Um, and so that's our vision is to be that global leader uh, where we, we serve other people. We're not there to be served. Well, what challenges do you think as you continue to work that vision? What challenges do you think that your organization is going to have to successfully address over the next, say, three to five years? Well, I think there's always the press of growing needs and uh, and uh, the availability of resources. Um, speaking strictly from a financial perspective, uh, you know, just think about the headlines. Think about the the mass uh, uh, exodus of people from one place to another, refugees, oh, goodness, resettlement, yes. and the upheaval that that causes in in our own society uh, and in other parts of the world, it just seems like the needs don't uh, decrease. They they seem to escalate. And so as those needs get bigger and bigger and, you know, our our resources, uh, you know, can be finite, then it's it's really deciding what uh, what to do. And, you know, we had 64 service offerings. We shrunk them down to four, and we're trying to get, you know, really, really uh, excellent at, at what we're what our focus is. So the temptation of any NGO or any nonprofit is to try to do everything for everybody, and you can't right. do that. Not, not at the same time, you know. And so mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to say, well, okay, what what is Butner? What have we always done? And what what are we really, really good at doing? Let's just try to carve that out and go deep and have quality. And I think that's that's what we're trying to do over the next five years to really sharpen our focus and really go deep and have a transformational impact on the lives of the people that we serve. Outstanding. Uh, you mentioned funding so often, as, of course, do all leaders today. Can you talk to us about how the work of Buckner International is actually funded? Sure. Uh, we have several uh, revenue streams uh, that, uh, that that uh, we're, we're blessed with. Uh, of course, the one that everyone is familiar with is philanthropic support through uh, dedicated and passionate donors, usually people that are compelled by their faith to make a difference. Uh, those tend to be the people that sign up with us and gladly share their resources to make our work possible. Then there are certain services like foster care, adoption, and a few other programs that are funded by state and federal government through block grants and uh, uh, monies that are sent to the state of Texas. So we we sort of act as an outsource provider uh, to the state. And typically those uh, programs uh, uh, land at about the 85% recovery rate. So uh, you know, I have to, if it's 75%, I've got to, for every three quarters I've spent uh, that the state gives me, I've got to find a quarter. And over a pretty huge budget, that's a lot of quarters. That you that's have a lot of quarters. Yeah. So you have philanthropy, you have state funding, and then we have some uh, uh, resources from our endowment that generate income uh, for us each year as we keep that invested wisely. And then there's also some resource from the senior care environment that, uh, that we, even though it's a nonprofit, we run it as a business, as a for-profit environment. And each year there's a certain amount from that budget that is, uh, is uh, generated to then subsidize the work we do serving children. Excellent. Can you talk to us about how your board engages the spiritual capacity related to leadership and how your board is involved in the work of Buckner International? Sure. We, uh, we have uh, our board members uh, who understand that this work of this nonprofit charity uh, is a ministry. 
and they understand that that they are by providing governance and guidance and oversight uh, uh, and support they they are involved in the ministry as much as we are uh, as we're uh, providing direct services to children, families, and seniors. And uh, so, uh, you know, it, that's the starting point that they do see it as a ministry. And then uh, we have gone uh, on uh, one trip uh, each year. We'll travel to a location where Butner has ministry sites, either in Texas or in other countries, and have board meetings at those locations. And the board members, uh, you know, really don't want to spend a lot of time sitting in the, the hotel room and talk about business. They want to get out and see the work. And so they get to get involved hands-on and uh, to see, uh, feel, and touch and sense uh, what we're, what it is that we're governing and what it is we're providing guidance for. So uh, that's uh, those are ways that they've gotten involved. Uh, and then wherever they live, uh, sometimes they'll be a part of the local site, the ministry location in that in that place as well. Fantastic. The approaches that we use to prepare our staff for service delivery are different from the approaches that we use to prepare our staff to be involved in the ministry. Can you talk about the difference between the two and what you do specifically to prepare your staff to be involved in a ministry? Well, you know, certainly uh, if you're talking about, uh, if we're talking about the, the service and ministry among uh, vulnerable children uh, in, in Texas, you know, it, there's a lot more regulation there. So there's certain competencies and, and training and, uh, you know, uh, credentials that people have to have. Uh, in the uh, retirement uh, community services area, there, there, it's a lot more regulated uh, in, in that in that area with pretty strict state and federal regulations. So there's certainly a certain amount of preparation that people that work here have as competent and professional staff. But then there's also the soft side, the the heart side of it, is that you know you can be qualified and credentialed and and trained, and then just not have a heart for the people that you're serving. And uh, that 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 just falls short. So I would say that the people that that I'm familiar with that we that work here also have a sense of calling and a sense of passion. They mm-hmm. can work anywhere with those credentials, but they work here because we raise up the issue of faith and and we talk about uh, emphasize. Even though careers are important, I, I like to talk more about calling. And so sure. uh, if, you t- if you take care of your calling, your career is going to take care of itself. But mm-hmm. if you go the other direction, uh, you know, it, it may not work out that well in this environment. Beautiful. Andre, do you have a question you want to ask at this point? Yeah, I think, uh, thanks, Tom. Um, Al, I think a lot of CEOs struggle uh, with trying to understand uh, adaptive challenges, particularly in the work that they do. You know, I think they spend a lot of time, you know, managing technical issues and challenges, things that can really be resolved through just some uh, some some groupthink. But when it comes to adaptive challenges, I think uh, you know a lot of our leaders have a, a tough challenge. What, what's been an adaptive challenge that you've had to face in terms of running a successful organization that uh, that might be uh, uh, important in our sector? Do you think? Well, I think the whole issue of an adaptive challenge is that you're going to try a different solution. <clears throat> and so if we keep doing the same thing, you get the same result. So yeah. an adaptive challenge is going to be, hey, we're going to try something totally different and see if that makes a difference. So that's what we try to orient folks to do. 
Yeah, yeah. And so the adaptive challenge of our time in this sector would be what from your perspective? I think just staying up with the changes in society, changes in our environment, and the needs of families, uh, and different approach to make a long, long-term change. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, is, yeah, which I think is, is probably a, a big challenge. I mean, our world is changing so fast. I mean, how do you begin to not only think about your local communities and neighborhoods, but as the work you do globally, how do you begin to think about some of these challenges and pressures and, and the political scene and how all this weighs in and trying to manage those processes while trying to figure out the end point here, I think is, is probably a big yeah. challenge for a lot of our executives. And so that's often a challenge I think we continue to face with is this constant change. And so, you know, as yeah. we think about, you know, the emotional, cognitive, spiritual, behavioral components of leadership, trying to align those things uh, to make them fit so we can manage effectively uh, all of, uh, of a different changing world. So, right. Beautiful. Right. We'll come back to that discussion in just a minute after a short break. Please stay with us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Well, we're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Andre Howard and our special guest, Dr. Albert Reyes, president of Buckner International. Before the break, Dr. Reyes was describing his vision for the future of Buckner, some of the challenges he anticipates, and Andre Howard had just asked a question about 
Well, about important leadership dimensions that we wanted to come back to. So, Andre, ask a follow-up question, and let's go back to that topic. Sure, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think uh, Al did an excellent job with that. I mean, you know, we talk about the adaptive challenges of our time uh, in the sector. I think it's probably one thing that weighs heavy on a lot of leaders' minds in terms of how to, to, to manage the adaptive challenge, particularly given a very quickly changing world, you know, with a very erratic uh, political system and seeing, um, you know, uh, unrest in other parts of our, our global uh, society, um, uh, the, the infiltration of social media and how it's beginning to define and change the family uh, differently as compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago. I'm often reminded of the, the Robert uh, Putnam a piece around bowling alone and how, you know, our society mm-hmm. in, in, in some ways is returning back to uh, some isolation and, and disconnectedness with our neighbors and partners. And so really I was um, really thinking about, uh, I want to ask that question about the adaptive challenge of our time and how you manage that in a very rapidly changing world. And I think you gave a, a good um, initial insight into that. Any additional pieces you might want to add to that? Sure, uh, uh, sure, Andre. I, I would say that uh, one example of that is, um, you know, we, we've di- on the in the children and family services, we've divided our work between uh, child permanency, which is uh, you know foster care adoption and so on, and then family preservation. And we realized in working with families that if we can preserve a family and help them stay together and get stronger and and get to the point where they don't need our help anymore then we've basically kept those children, that family, out of the system. And I was visiting with uh, Judge Fisha, the, uh, the commissioner for the Texas Department of Family Protective Services, and I was describing the Family Hope Center model where we bring uh, uh, intensive case management to bear on families that are really struggling. And uh, we do it, uh, work with them for over a two, two to three year period and one by one plug the holes so that they can become stronger, economically stable, healthy. Sometimes that might be ESL, computer training, parent skills, uh, you know, whatever the needs are, depending on where in the world it might be even include sanitation, clean water, or whatever is needed. And those families get stronger, they get healthier, they're economically stable, and then, and then they don't need us anymore. And when I said that to the judge, he said, that's fantastic. You're keeping those kids out of my system, so that counts too, you know. And so um, we, we, we just developed that recently when we said, you know, what if we could reach out to the family before they reach out to us? What if we could help keep them strong and keep them out of our the other the child permanency program. So that's one example of creating a new approach, an adaptive change to a situation that I think will make a difference uh, in the long run. Powerful, yeah, that's very powerful. Thanks. And that's a part of your U.S. family outreach that uh, that I've read about. Well, you know, interesting is uh, there, Tom, is that we did de- we developed this model in Guatemala. And because we, we knew we had to try something uh, different. And w- once it got traction there, we thought, would this work in the United States? <laughs> so we brought the model from Latin America, uh, Central America, and brought it to Texas. And now we do it here in the U.S. as well. Are there other instances where you have developed uh, a concept internationally and then brought it back to the country? To America? Well, that 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 is that is probably going to be the unique one that I think about uh, today. We're, we're always innovating uh, because we, we we get in in places where the infrastructure that we're used to here doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes we catch up 
uh, in developing countries to our standards here, but sometimes in this case we develop something over there that we then export back here. So uh, the only other model I can think of that we've developed, uh, be related to an adaptive change, is to develop the family pathways where a mother coming out of uh, domestic violence, uh, abuse, and, and neglect, uh, primarily out of violence, but in poverty situations, can come to our campus if she's college ready and live on our campus with her children, so you preserve the family there. And over a two-year period, she will earn an Associate of Arts degree, learn certain life skills, uh, and then when she graduates and has an apartment and a job and a savings account and a checking account with her kids, we call that a success. We, that's one of the most successful programs. We've got like nine of those campuses around Texas. Now that's transformational, huh? Wow. Absolutely. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Can, can you talk a little bit about the senior services that you were referencing a bit earlier? Talk about what it is that you're doing and who you're serving. Give us a little flavor for that particular service arena. Right, right. We have uh, seven uh, senior care communities uh, in, in Texas. Our major footprint is right here in the Lone Star State, and um, five of those campuses are considered CCRCs, Continuing Care Retirement Communities. So in that situation, we'll have independent living, assisted living, skilled nursing, and memory care. And then in some of the locations, we'll also have an auxiliary uh, off-site uh, hospice care for when folks come to the last few days. Um, so we have a really, really uh, tremendous uh, leaders at each of those locations, executive directors with the competent staff and directors of nursing and administrators. And uh, you might walk into the, depending on which location, walk into a site where we have a bistro and a health spa and you know, uh, occupational therapist, physical therapist, and for a really active lifestyle for seniors. Uh, and, um, and so that uh, we typically cater to lower to upper income. Uh, we have two of the five sites are uh, really more for low-cost housing uh, senior for seniors uh, in that environment. And then the other campuses are mid to upper income uh, folks that are uh, able to afford the highest of quality care that we can that we can find outstanding you you also referenced uh, your foster care and adoption services can you talk to us a little bit about those right we do uh, we're involved in uh, foster care uh, throughout the state of Texas and uh, we also uh, have have uh, created uh, a course adoption program both uh, in the foster care we have foster care and then foster to adopt so a family will start out in foster care but then elect to adopt the child and bring them as members of their family uh, for forever family then we have uh, waiting Texas adoption where we have children who are just waiting for a family and we place them as well uh, and then we do this kind of work in other countries uh, throughout Latin America and in Africa. But in those places, uh, uh, the concept of foster care did, did not exist. So, for example, uh, in Kenya and uh, in Guatemala and in uh, Honduras and Peru, uh, we, we started working with those governments in orphanages. And then we said, you know, there's other ways that you can take care of children more economically and probably a better outcome and environment is with families. So we started foster care uh, in those countries. And then in Peru, recently, J January of 14, 
the, the Peruvian Congress voted unanimously that uh, a child has a right to a family. And uh, before that, they were taken out of a, a, a domestic uh, violence or abusive situation and, and taken from there to, to the jail, to put them in jail, because uh, mm. that's the, the safest place to, to put a child. And then from there to the orphanage, where they were sort of like there for the rest of their lives. And wow. so uh, through the work of, uh, we call it acogimiento familiar, which is foster care, um, we started the program and then started working with members of Congress and different uh, uh, high government officials that were responsible for that area. Uh, finally, they adopted the program and said, hey, we, we, we want to make sure that from now on, whoever's in uh, leadership of the, of, the, of, the, of the government, that a child will have a right to a family as a first alternative to their care when they're taken out of a situation. So that's where you're sort of affecting and impacting the government, the system, and ultimately the welfare of children. Outstanding. Are there other international programs that you're offering that we haven't discussed yet? You know, we, we because we've narrowed down our approach to uh, child permanency and family preservation, uh, you know, as described uh, through foster care and adoption and then family, uh, family hope centers, we pretty much stuck to those programs, and we do provide some humanitarian aid to augment our activities. We have a program called Shoes for Orphan Souls, where in the last 15 years we've uh, collected and, and uh, distributed 3 million pairs of shoes to over 85 countries, uh, obviously wow. way beyond what we need because we, we, we give away the access to other collaborators. and. Uh, so there's some humanitarian aid work, but that's really to supplement the other work that we do with families. Okay. Uh, Andre, do you have a question you'd like to ask at this point? It just it just fascinates me. I mean, the, the work that Al does, and we're so glad to have him as a member of the Alliance, and his organization is certainly uh, an example that we often will refer uh, others to in terms of some of uh, uh, of the international work initiatives and just the ability to just uh, manage adaptive challenges across the board. So he certainly sits on top there in terms of an example for uh, a number of our members that we often will point to uh, in terms of uh, insight and, and really you want to know what transformation is, you know, Buckner International has it right there. But it, it always amazes me that the leader has to be able to have this capacity, this the spiritual capacity. I want to go back to that for a moment if I could. Uh, and, and I was just, I was wondering, do, do you think you could be effective or a leader could be effective uh, in their role, particularly the one that you play uh, over a number of initiatives, transformational initiatives, without the spiritual component? I think you and Tom have defined that pretty well. You know, I always look at the spiritual component as being able to connect um, to uh, from the inside of the organization to outside in the communities. Um, and again, being altruistic, honest, transparent, forthright, um, uh, altruistic in some sense. But do you think leaders can, can, can do the work that you do, that we do in the sector, without the spiritual uh, aspect component? If we just focused on, for example, uh, just being able to intellectually think at a high level, do you think that's enough to, to really um, get a leader through today's challenges? Well, I, I think that uh, leaders can uh, be effective without the spiritual component if they focus on uh, charisma and, you know, just the uh, authority that one has to just uh, dictate what's going to happen. Uh, however, I, I think that for sustainable uh, leadership and change and impact, 
I, I think that those tend to run out of gas, you know. <laughs> and, and besides, remember that that um, nobody likes change except a baby with a wet diaper. So, so you know, so that's very good. So and very know, true. Yeah. So I mean, all of us are going to resist change. So how can we how can we convince adults? to sign on and to give a passion and, and to say, yes, I'm going to, I could work anywhere, but I'm going to work here because I, I'm signed on in my heart. Well, those are the people that are going to, over time and, and through changes, are going to stick with you and give you their best uh, because uh, they, they, in their heart, are following the values that you talked about that come from a leader who has spiritual principles of integrity and values and such that that's people. I think people don't leave organizations. They leave people and uh, the quality, the quality of the person and the values that they aspire to really uh, is what makes the difference, you know? So, and, and so I'll tell you, I've been, I'm, I'm 56. I, I preached my first sermon when I was 16 and so I've been at it for 40 years, and, I, I, and I've been around the world, and I would tell you, I don't know how to make a better person without Jesus, <laughs> you know, and part of it is just trying to model and shape, you know, live sure. and shape my thoughts after him. And then people who, who say, you know, I may not believe like you, but I like what you do. I like what you stand for. Well, that, that's, that's the greatest compliment, you know, so we're not talking about... Uh, everybody, you know, marching a lockstep, but there, there are those values that come out of that Judeo-Christian worldview that we that we operate from that we're not ashamed of. And uh, we'll be and back in just a moment. Stay with us and hold that thought. Now we'll come right back to it. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Andre Howard and our special guest, Dr. Albert Reyes, president of Buckner International. Before the break, Dr. Reyes was talking about the many programs and services that are offered all over the world by Buckner International, and we were spending some more time going back and talking about how incredibly important having a spiritual base and a spiritual capacity is for leaders who are going to do difficult work in times that are changing very rapidly. In this final segment, Dr. Reyes, we, we like to turn to our special guests and afford them the opportunity to offer some advice to our field. So maybe you could offer a few things that you have learned uh, over the course, uh, especially over the last six years, while you've been in such an important leadership position, things that you'd like to pass on to other leaders who are listening to this show right now. Sure. I think I would reiterate a point that I made earlier is probably the, the single most important uh, thing that a leader has to do to determine his or her approach is, is to do the good diagnostic work of the condition of the organization because, you know, you could really apply outstanding skills in the wrong context and, and it will be disastrous. So uh, I think up front uh, uh, leaders need to, to sort of uh, do a lot of listening uh, and uh, do a lot of asking um, and, and recognize that, you know, for me, uh, I'm, I'm number six in 130 years, you know, and yeah. so... It's learning about what one through five did, you know, and and how right. how uh, how even the founder, uh, you know, envisioned the the purpose of the work, and so I've worked real hard to say now who was this guy? What, what did he believe? What did he do? You know, and what's at the core of uh, made that that made him tick? Because I'm not really here to reinvent the organization. I'm here to to be a steward of it, and uh, it was here long before I arrived. And so uh, before you start tinkering with uh, and, and think that you know everything, it's, it's wise to study and to learn and to listen and to ask questions. And then, of course, reflect, you know, and pray and uh, seek wisdom. And then once you kind of have a good feel for what you, ha- what you are managing, then you begin to engage your leaders and ask them, what do you think? And, and then lead the way, you know, and I think that's one of the big things I've learned. The other thing is that, Every organization has a culture, so uh, when you join, you're not there to change it. You're there there to fit in, (laughs) you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people with great skills and ability and insight and capacity fail because they they don't understand that, no, no, you're you're not here to change 136 years. You're here to be a part of it. (laughs) You know, we're not joining you. You're joining us, you know, 
And uh, think of it as a missionary going to another country. Uh, we're not going to expect them to speak English. We got to learn their language, you know, and how they act, how they make decisions. So, uh, corporate culture and organizational culture is one of those things that you can sort of keep get your eye off the ball and then crash. So I've learned to learn how to uh, understand what Butner's like, what the culture's like, how they do things around here, and then apply uh, that leadership to this situation. Fantastic. We always ask leaders to talk about a mistake that they may have made uh, over the course of the last six years that really caused you to learn something that was very important for you to learn. Can you share one or two of such learnings with us? Well, I think there's a couple things. Uh, one is uh, that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's uh, especially when you have multiple leaders, uh, when we, we went from, <coughs> excuse me, a certain type of leadership, more intuitive style leadership uh, from my predecessor to a more participatory approach. And uh, so, you know, that was one of the first things I announced that, hey, I'm, I'm, I have intuition, I can be intuitive, but that's not my leading strength and competency. I'm more participatory, so I want to ask you what you think, and I really mean that when I ask that question, you're going to say something, you know, that <laughs> it doesn't mean, like, don't say anything. So uh, it's not good, better or worse, it's just different. That's just a different style. What I miscalculated was that the, the team had been used to an intuitive leader that gave strong direction, and it really wasn't about what you thought. It was more like, let's become implementers of the leader's you know, direction. When, sure. when I switched over to more of a participatory, what I didn't do is give them rules of engagement. Didn't, I didn't show them, I didn't tell them what it means and what it meant and how to help you know, me be a participatory leader. And so I had to create a decision tree so that I talked about, you know, uh, uh, the, the fruit, the, the branches, uh, the, the, the trunk, and the roots. And so there's decisions that they can make all day long and not even tell me. Other decisions they need to, to make and then tell me. Other decisions you can't make without consult, consultations. And then other decisions you don't make. You know, right. and so we, we clarified that. I think that really did help. We're still, you know, sort of hammering it out. But... It helps to define the boundaries uh, and set expectations uh, for there. And the other thing I would say is that the leader, I learned the leader is the cultural architect of the organization. So no one should, should take it upon themselves to introduce anything that changes the culture without it going through the senior leader. You just can't, you can't, otherwise you have multiple organizations going different directions. Agreed. Now, I know that leaders often are reluctant to answer this question uh, because we want to know what you believe your greatest accomplishment was during the last six years. And clearly, it's not just a personal accomplishment. It's an accomplishment of an organization. So that having been said, what has been the greatest uh, accomplishment, in your opinion, that you've achieved over the course of the last six years? You know, I think probably if you could stamp one thing, if we were to sum up the tenure and say, okay, this is what this, this is the one thing this leader contributed up to this point to the organization, I would say the reorientation to our faith commitments. Um, you know, after 136 years, it's easy for people in the organization to, 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 uh, to mis- miscalculate what we're here for, what we're here about. 
And so then you get different visions. And so one of the first things I did and have done is to say, you know, let's remember that our founder was a pastor, okay? That doesn't mean we all have to be pastors, but he was a pastor, you know, and he did these things. And, um, you know, he had faith, and there was a moral authority, and there was a spiritual dimension. So that's really who we are, and if you thought this was something else, then you need to decide if you can stay or not, you know? And so uh, it's a reorientation of our faith commitments and to hold those up high and not be ashamed of them. That's what's produced this long history of effectiveness. And so I I think that would be the one thing that that we – and I wrote a book called The Jesus Agenda, How to Become an Agent of Redemption. And the purpose of that book was to tell Buckner stories of how that's what we're about, taking what was intended for harm and turning it into good. And so um, I try to really lift that high. Well, you have been an absolutely wonderful guest. My thanks to you, Al, for your wonderful time. Thanks to Andre for joining us. Uh, And thanks to everyone who was listening to our show today. Please join us the next time we get together for another episode of Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.